This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. For the thousands of migrants who have come to Chicago in the last year or so, many of them are caught in a kind of catch-22. They're being encouraged to leave the city shelters, find apartments, find work. But at the same time, they're unable to really work here legally. That's because either they don't qualify for work permits or because the process of getting a permit can take a long time. Many times when migrants come here, they're really unaware of the challenges that are particular to Chicago. Yeah. The realities of the city are, are different. Um, they are facing the winter. They don't know the, you know, the language, English. Yeah. They don't know their way around um, to even look for housing, to look for a job. And they're finding out that Getting a job is not that simple without work permits. So all of that is becoming extremely challenging. Adriana Cardona-McGeegod is WBEZ's immigration reporter. She's been talking with a few migrants, asking them what they're doing to get by and make money. Many of them are finding permanent homes, permanent housing, permanent apartments. They're working, they're, they're making a living But we still have thousands more who really need to get there. And the path to get there, especially from the shelters, like you're new, you don't know your way around, can be extremely difficult. Yeah. I talked to Adriana about how migrants are figuring out work and income. And she said in a lot of ways, because their jobs are often off the record, it can make them vulnerable. We also talk about how this is impacting how they feel emotionally, aspirationally about their future in the U.S. Can you walk me through your experience a little bit? Where did you go and who did you talk to? Even before I started on this beat, I would just talk to people on the streets. Okay. If I'm driving and I see someone like selling candy, I will park my car and I'll just go and talk to them and just kind of introduce myself and see where they come from, what they're doing, you know, like just get more information. Uh, Mm -hmm. So for the stories that I've been focusing on lately, I kept doing the same thing. I I kept just meeting people and asking them just extremely basic questions. I know one of the people you talked to was Jesus Fernandez. Can you tell me about him? Like many Venezuelans and many other migrants out there, uh, Jesus is getting creative He's got five kids to support back home. Um, He's 40 years old. And he's like, okay, well, if I can't get a permanent job because I don't have a work permit and I'm, you know, I'm waiting for my documents to come through, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to ask businesses if they want me to clean their windows. Yeah. And so he walks around Monroe's Avenue asking businesses if they wanted their windows cleaned. So I follow Jesus uh, one day while he was washing windows, and here is what he has to say. So here he's talking about 
how he helped a friend fix something related to a car and mm -hmm. he used that little money he gave him mm. as a seed money to buy his cleaning equipment. Wow. And so he kind of like reinvested what he earned and that's how he started, basically. Do you have a sense of how much he makes? With this one particular job that I follow him through, um, he made $60. And sometimes he says that he takes less than three hours to get those windows cleaned. And we're talking about like big, large window like building windows. Yeah, okay. And sometimes he says that he doesn't get paid as much, but he definitely like the one business where he makes, you know, $60 in less than three hours. Yeah, that's pretty good. So I know you also talked with a migrant named Denise, who is from Ecuador. Where did you meet her? Yeah, so again, I was driving around and... I saw this 10-year-old boy selling candy by himself, and I started talking to him and looking out for, for mom to yeah. arrive anytime, and sure she did. Uh, she was actually selling candy in an opposite corner mm. uh, while carrying her three-year-old son on her back. Wow. And I mean, it was it, the, the whole scenario looked extremely dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uh, she was dodging cars and going from car to car offering the candy. Her 10-year-old was at a different corner, like just kind of sitting there to see if anyone would just approach him. Anyway, we ended up talking and she said, I need cash and I need to be able to pay for transportation. I need to be able to pay for my kids' medicine. And I'm not begging, I'm just selling candy. She really looked desperate. And to be actually even willing to do that, we have to keep in mind that you got to have a real situation on your hands where you really need to provide for your family and you, you're willing to do whatever it takes. And that's what it meant for Denise. She was going to make, a, you know, some cash one way or the other. Yeah. And she told me like in an afternoon like that, like just selling candy, she makes about 30 bucks. Uh, but I don't know how long it takes it. It could be just be like a, a whole afternoon doing that. Mm -hmm. But at least... $30 is better than having $0. So what you're describing is this very off-the-record, under-the-table way of sustaining yourself. It sounds so familiar <laughs> to me, um, you know, when, when I'm thinking about populations that may have some migrants in them, but like folks who for whatever other reason, aren't able to get on the record, right? Aren't able to have income that they can report or aren't able to work, quote unquote, legally. I wonder if you can kind of get into that, what that's looking like for migrants. How else are migrants making money outside of selling candy and washing windows? Anywhere from like manicures, cutting hair, cooking food, delivering food. I also spoke with uh, construction workers outside of Home Depot. They were immigrants who've been here before the migrant crisis. And they told me on most mornings, about 30 migrants are there waiting for someone to come and pick them up and hire them for like a daily job. 
construction work. And they were actually a little bit salty because some migrants are working for as little as $5 an hour. That's just three times less than what other groups of workers are making or charging right now. The situation is really bringing kind of like wages down for those who've been here way before. So I reached out to Mauricio Huertas. Uh, He's with the Latino Union of Chicago, and this is what he has to say. They don't know that 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 is not a a living wage. Um, And part of that, uh, part of the conversation around that is telling them like, okay, sure, right now you have these like transitional benefits to get you set up. Um, but how do you expect to pay for housing on a, when you're earning $5 an hour? Wow. Um, yeah, that sounds really hard. You know, everybody's everybody's trying to eat, you know, yeah. and everybody has different needs and different levels of understanding, um, you know, of what, what you can do to, to fulfill those needs. Let's get back into the work permits. I wanted to get a sense of why it's so hard to get those. I mean, it's hard to get those because there are very specific requirements. And even when people qualify for those permits, they have to provide personal documentation. Mm. Uh, But people have been traveling cross countries. They've been moving from place to place. And many times people, they either lose their documents. So it can be extremely hard. I mean, like, City officials initially, like back in November, they were expecting that some 11,000 migrants in shelters will be eligible. Now they realize that about 3,500 are eligible. Mm -hmm. Out of that estimate, only about 1,000 have been able to actually get the work permits. Wow. So it's a complicated process, which is why people are getting creative and trying to find other ways of, you know, earning a living. Yeah. When you're existing like that, I know, you know, you're you're existing outside of this structure of work protections. <laughs> you know, certain things make you vulnerable. Um, not only are you, you know, living in a shelter, you're sharing space, but your employer, when certain things are off the record, you know, it, it does leave you really vulnerable. I wonder if you can talk about how that's looking for, for migrants. I mean, in terms of vulnerability, um, just like the example that I gave earlier regarding Home Depot, like not getting paid the, the correct wages, not knowing what the minimum wage is, not knowing what your rights are. Yes, of course, it makes people extremely vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, Denise is out with her, physically vulnerable, right? She's out with her baby in the middle of the street at times, you know, selling candy. I mean, there there's so many levels of, of vulnerability <laughs> happening here. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she didn't know that it could be considered by some or by many child endangerment because obviously you're, you're leaving one kid in one corner and you're like, you know, with the other one on your shoulders dodging cars. So it, it's tough. But luckily she got connected with social workers who found, were able to connect her um, with school for her children. So um, that's that's a good thing. So there's the facts of all of this, where folks can go, whether or not they can work, where they come from. And then there's also what they are feeling. And I wonder if you can talk about the emotions you're gleaning from migrants that you talk to as you're doing your reporting. 
The other day, actually, I ran into a family. They just arrived in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And the dad just looked like his eyes were wide open, very serious, mm-hmm. quiet. The kid, too, and the mom, she just looked in fear. And they just told me, we were dropped off by some boss. And they just went through so much. And they come here to realize that yeah. it's just so difficult. You know, they, they're happy to be in the United States and they're willing to start a new life mm-hmm. and get away from the turmoil that they experience in their home country. But they also know that their journey is not over. Mm-hmm. It's far from over. Yes. And we have to just keep in mind that what migrants are looking for right now, this American dream, is something that many, many, many immigrants for years and decades have been going after. I mean, not only from, you know, Mexico, but also East Europeans back in the early 1900s. I mean, that story is no different from what we've seen before. Right now, I think the journey all the way from South America is just too long, too dangerous, too treacherous. Mm. When they get here, people are just tired. But I'm sure that the people that I've talked to, many people that I've talked to are also resilient. They tell me they don't want to live off the government or stay in shelters. They just really want to work and become self-sustaining so that they can provide for their families on their own. Mm-hmm. And I've been getting that from a lot of people. Yeah. I want to also just hear from you as a reporter. I mean, you mentioned that before you even made this your beat, you have been talking to folks. I wonder how this experience has been for you. So I'm originally from Colombia. And yes, I, I could say, you know, yeah, my journey was hard. But I will tell you, compared to many stories I've heard, my journey was a joy ride. Mm. And as a reporter, um, I reflect a lot on that. Yeah. I will say that people feel a sense of maybe just feeling heard, you know, that, mm-hmm. that someone asked follow-up questions and wanted to hear their story. Like, even though we can all say that the migrants are coming from South America, primarily from Venezuela, and this is the journey, they yeah. cross to a treasure spot, like... You can just say that for every story, but I'll tell you, every one of those stories is completely, completely different. Mm. And in many cases, heartbreaking. So as a reporter, I've been learning a lot more to just take the time to, to hear their story. And even if I assume that they came here from that particular country and that it was horrible and hard, there's always something different that they have to say. Adriana Cardona Magigad is WBEZ's immigration reporter. Adriana, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. 
The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later.